I want to talk about something from the life of the Prophet See, when you compare, Rasulullah was a leader. Today in the world that we live in, we have many leaders also. But there was a difference between the leadership of Rasulullah and the leadership that we see today. For example, one example I can share is that when we see today leaders of different religions, Leaders who are today current and they are there of countries and so forth, when they pass away, they have so much wealth behind. You say the life of Salman al Farsi, one of the key things that brought him to Islam was the fact that the priests and the religious leaders he was following and he was, he was listening to when he found out that when they passed away, they were on one hand giving advices and telling people to live a life of simplicity, live a life of zuhud and, and qana'ah. On the other hand, these same religious people, they had so much wealth on the back end. These were things that really put Salman al-Fasil his heart off. And this is what brought him closer, slowly and gradually to Islam. So when we say the life of the Prophet Wasallam, today leaders pass away and they have so much behind. Whereas you say the life of the Prophet Wasallam, he was also a leader, but he hardly had anything left behind. In fact, we learn from Rasulullah that he would always spend anything that he had upon others. Another difference, the key difference today that I want to focus on between the leadership of Rasulullah and why he is considered as the primary role model of what leadership is versus the leadership of today is that as he mentions السلام, in a hadith, Sayyidul Qawmi Khadimuhum that the servant of the community or the Sayyid of the Qawm and the Sayyid or the, the leader of the Qawm in the nation is that, is that person who serves his people. And that's why when you study leadership in Business 101, there is a different types of leaderships, but there is a leadership type and style which is called the servant leadership. And while there are many people, many who have written positives, some people have written negatives about it, what we believe in is that this is perhaps the best model of leadership. And this is a kind of model of leadership that the Prophet he exhibited on so many different occasions. Today, subhanAllah, you see leaders today, they're always willing to put others when it comes to battles and wars and losing lives, they put other people on the line. Whereas you say the life of the Prophet he was the one who would put his life on the line. When you see about, when you talk about helping people out, Rasulullah he was the very first person to step in and help people out. Today, yes, we do have times when leaders, they come to the front, they're serving food. Why do they do these kind of things? For PR purposes, to gain votes, to gain sympathy of people who don't, who don't, who don't support them and so forth to show and for PR purposes this is why they do these kind of things Rasulullah was a servant leader why? because this is what he is showing through his akhlaq that I'm not ordering you to do something but I'm telling you to do something but I'm part of you also and subhanAllah we find that in the seerah of the Prophet when he first came to Quba the Prophet is telling the Sahaba let's build a masjid but the Prophet is not ordering and he's sitting on the side no once again he is the he is the Sayyid, he is the leader of the community, but he's also the one who's on the ground helping everyone out. He's also the one who is putting the bricks together to build Majid al-Quba. When you study the life of uh, the, the story and the incident and the battle of Uhud, the Rasulullah by the way, it is mentioned about Uhud, that in Makkah, Rasulullah he saw a dream. 
He had no idea what this dream meant, but he knew that there is a meaning to this dream. Later on, he realized that that dream that he saw in Mecca was related to the incident of Uhud. Now, Rasulullah he's sitting with the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, and he's asking them and he's telling them that my suggestion is that we stay here in Medina and we defend ourselves. We don't go out to Uhud, we stay here in Medina. Why? Because we know the ins and outs of Medina. And not only that but if you look geographically speaking how the structure of Medina was that there's only one key entry into Medina and if we are protected from all three sides it becomes easy for us to defend ourselves so let's stay in Medina however there were some of the young Sahaba radiallahu anhum who did not participate in the battle of Badr and they wanted now they were of that age that they could go out and fight and they said Ya Rasulullah why stay in Medina why stay at home we want to go out and we want to put our life on the line and we want to fight in a battlefield we want to get the feeling of a battlefield Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam this is the young sahaba always energetic mashallah and they are pushing the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam while the senior sahaba they understand that if the prophet is saying to stay in Medina perhaps there's a reason why he's saying that so Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam when he saw that the young sahaba are pushing the prophet alayhi wasallam so much so first thing is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam he said okay fine if this is what your wish is okay uh, we will do that inshallah Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi was not the type of leader who said my way or the highway if you don't like it if you don't like it go get lost go go, go somewhere else that is not the nature of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam when he saw that there was a determination a zeal then he got up and he went to his house and then the senior sahaba they began to get upset as some of the younger sahaba that why are you pushing the prophet this way don't you know that the prophet when he said that his suggestion is to fight in medina that is his wish and you should follow and you should not argue with rasulullah and when the young sahaba they realized that yeah perhaps we crossed our limits and we pushed the prophet in a situation that we should have not pushed him in they went to the house of Rasulullah and they apologized. But what did the Prophet do? See, once again, he was a leader, but he was a very first person who would step up to the plate. And what did he do? He put on his armor. And while he put on his armor and the Sahaba, the young Sahaba came to apologize, the Prophet said that I have already put on my armor. And when a Prophet puts on his armor, he does not take off his armor again. And therefore, I am putting my armor on. He was a very first person out of everyone to put on his armor. And he said that now everyone, put us, everyone else put on your armor and now we're going to go and fight. And so subhanAllah, then they went and they, and they fought. But what we learn from this is that subhanAllah, Rasulullah even though he was the leader, but he was a very first person to step up to the plate. We find in the battle of trenches, subhanAllah, that the Prophet is in the trench. Do you understand? Do we even understand? how difficult it was to dig up a trench they never had tractors like we have today they never had you know digging uh, agents and you know the technology that we have today that becomes so easy to dig up anything in no time yet we find that the Prophet is digging up a trench and they come across big boulders huge rocks and stones and the Prophet they're calling the Prophet Ya Rasulullah we cannot break this and the Prophet he will come and break it then the Sahaba out of extreme hunger 
they show that they, they have tied stones to their stomach. But Rasulullah was the leader of the community. He was the, he was the Sayyid of the Qawm. And what did he do? He was one step ahead. The Prophet saw, and the Sahaba, they saw that we have tied stones to our stomach, one stone to our stomach. But when Rasulullah he lifted up his shirt, he did not have only one. But he had two stones tied to his stomach. And Rasulullah wasallam, he did not just go off in his own camp and just, he was there while the Sahaba were digging. No, he was there. He was digging with the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. And he was saying things such as, Allahumma la aisha illa aisha al-akhirah. That there is no aish, there is no happiness except for the happiness of the hereafter. Faqfir al-ansara wal-muhajra. That, oh Allah, forgive and, uh, and uh, forgive and overlook the shortcomings of the Ansar and the Muhajireen. This is Rasulullah on the ground and there are many more examples. The reason why I say this is because today we live in a world where we feel like a true leader is that person who gives orders and he has high expectations but he stands back. But what we learn from the leadership of Rasulullah is that not only would he order but he was also part of them. Every single time the Prophet was with the Sahaba in the battle of Hunayn, everyone left. Rasulullah was left behind with a few others and he says that how can I how can I um, leave everyone and how can I retreat and he stayed there um, he stayed there alayhi salam with few others and that's why we even find later on subhanallah in the Quran Allah mentions people who came afterwards after the prophet after the prophet sallam, who exhibited true leadership for example the story of Dhul Qarnayn the story of Dhul Qarnayn is mentioned in the Quran for a reason. Not because he was a man and he has so much, but this also shows that he was a leader. He had so much resources and he used those resources and with his own hands, he helped the people to erect a wall to, for, to protect the people from Ya'juj and Ma'juj. This is what authority is. This is what leadership is. And subhanAllah, you may not realize it, but every single moment, or every, at, at some time here and there, at, at one point in our life, Allah will put us in a position of leadership. Allah will give us a certain type of authority, but at that time, who are we going to be? Are we going to be like we see people today who give orders and stand behind? Or are we going to be like those leaders who give orders and they are the ones participating? This is what we learned from Rasulullah wasallam, And this is why, without a doubt, he is considered, according to many historians, that the greatest inspirational person ever to come on the face of earth. Michael Hart, a person that we've heard about before, when he collected his hundred most inspirational people to come in the history of human civilization he put Rasulullah at the top the most influential person ever to come why because when these people who even they were not Muslims when they would study the life of the Prophet they were amazed they were mesmerized that what kind of a leader this person was so this is why we study the life of the Prophet I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the tawfiq to learn from the life of the Prophet and to implement it in the best way in our life Ameen Rabbil Alameen Jazakumullah Khair Assalamu Alaikum Rahmatullahi Wa Barakatuh. <laughs> 
ان الذين يؤذون الله ورسوله لعنهم الله في الدنيا والاخره واعد لهم عذابا مهينا والذين يؤذون المؤمنين والمؤمنات بغير ما اكتسبوا فقد احتملوا بهتانا واثما مبينا 